is the Steelers Standard on Steelers Nation Radio and Podcast on Steelers.com. Welcome aboard for another episode of the Steelers Standard. I'm Tom Opperman, Kellen Gursky, and Jacob Recht are my partners in crime. On an earlier episode uh, this week of Steelers Standard, and by the way, if you missed any of our episodes, you can listen to them at Steelers.com or you can download and subscribe at Apple Podcasts or Spotify and definitely go download and subscribe to the Steelers Standard. But we talked about the Steelers defense and how it might regress just a little bit in 2021, but they're losing some really key players. So it's only natural to think that regression is the next step when it comes to a defense that was so dominant last year and the year prior to that. But there's a couple guys that I want to spend this episode taking a really close look at, three to be specific. And I think if they can take that next step, it will really help avoid the Steelers having any sort of regression from that defense. And hell, maybe that'll even help improve that defense in certain areas. And the first guy that I want to take a look at was the rookie in 2020. He will be uh, a sophomore in 2021, Alex Highsmith out of Charlotte. He will be stepping in for Bud Dupree and that's a big hole, probably the biggest hole that you have to fill on both sides of the ball for the Pittsburgh Steelers in 2021. So the rookie has got some big shoes to fill when he comes back for his second season in the NFL. I mean, yeah, absolutely. You're filling the shoes of Bud Dupree, who um, was a pro bowler and is a pro bowl type talent, at least the last handful or last two years he has been. Um, and really, Bud kind of came into his own and took pressure away from TJ Watt. And I think that's the biggest thing. You know, I mentioned that on our last episode um, that Highsmith is going to have to try to take tension away from TJ Watt. And the way he does that is by making the most of his one-on-ones that he's probably going to see, because who would you rather block one-on-one TJ Watt or Alex Highsmith? Obviously it's going to be Alex Highsmith. Um, He's going to have a lot um, on his plate because that's a big ask to try to take Um, you know, take opponents, take opponents' minds off of T.J. Watt, um, and that's going to be pretty tough to do. But I think he really showed strides last year. Um, I think he outperformed what a lot of people thought he was going to do, and obviously he was kind of thrust into that role because of Bud being hurt. But I I thought he he did pretty well, but the only problem is he's going to have to do better than pretty well next year. He's going to have to kind of – become I'm not saying become Bud Dupree but he has to be better than what he was last year if the Steelers defense is going to be that um you know, that that Super Bowl caliber defense that we keep talking about that great defense I think um if Alex Highsmith is average I don't know if they that defense can be as prolific because TJ is going to get blocked and, and double teamed all year yeah I mean it's really hard for Highsmith, a guy who wasn't expecting to get much playing time last year, to be thrust in that role, as you said, Kellen, because of the Bud Dupree injury. But maybe that was for the better. Of course, you would have liked to have Bud for the rest of the year. That would have definitely kept things more solid as a whole on that defensive unit. And maybe with Bud in that playoff game against the Browns, TJ's able to eat at least somewhat more than he was able to uh, in reality, uh, we know what happened there. Zero sacks, zero quarterback hits whatsoever. Uh, if Bud's there, it's could be a totally different, totally different ball game. But Highsmith was able to get some some snaps in and play some games and got some starts in at the end of the season. So maybe that was for the better for him. Maybe if he had never gotten a start in, if he didn't get significant plays 
play counts uh, throughout last year, maybe he would have been uh, a little too rusty, a little too uh, fresh out of the gate uh, to start next year, the 2021 season. So you're hoping that from what you saw last year, yes, you saw some good and some bad. The best case scenario is you just see more of the good. But with if you're looking to compare him to Bud Dupree, I mean, the waiting period may have to be a year if, if before he really comes into his own. When you get drafted in the third round and you play at a school like Charlotte, you got to ball out your senior year or your junior year, whatever your last year is at that school. And he certainly did that. He had 15 sacks his senior season at Charlotte in just 13 games. So he averaged over a sack per game. And he had 21 and a half tackles for losses while forcing two fumbles at Charlotte. So that's pretty damn impressive for a 13 game sample size. And oh, by the way, he had two sacks against Clemson his senior year uh, against Trevor Lawrence in a national championship caliber team. Then his rookie year, he played all 16 games last year for the Steelers in one way or the other. He started in five of them. Uh, he had two sacks. One of those sacks came when he was a starter. He had five tackles for a loss and he had six quarterback hits. And it's also important to remember that he had an interception against yeah. the Baltimore Ravens in the first time they played the Ravens when the Ravens were at full strength in Baltimore and the Steelers got a, a win there, their first of the sweep against Baltimore in the 2020 season. So, uh, you know, I look at those numbers. Oh, it's also important to remember he had two tackles for loss in the playoff game against Cleveland. So, Jacob, like you said, obviously not a threat. Obviously, they didn't have to pay that much attention to him, but he did take advantage of his one-on-ones in that game and he had two tackles yeah. for loss. That's encouraging to see. And, all those stats I just laid out for a rookie, the sample size isn't big. Like I said, he only started in five of the games this year, playing in all 16 of them. But but that's five more starts than he was expecting to true. see. True, and those numbers, two sacks, uh, five tackles for loss, six quarterback hit, and an interception, that's really solid for a rookie, honestly, and especially when you take into account the small sample size. But even just looking at him playing in all 16 games, he made an impact. I mean, there's no question that Alex Highsmith just wasn't a warm body out there on the defense. It, that Baltimore game, he wasn't the starter. Bud was healthy. He makes a big interception in that game. So right from the jump, Alex Highsmith came in and contributed to that defense. So it's not like he's just jumping in cold turkey next year when he has to be the starter for the full season. Right, and I think that's something that Highsmith has going for him. I think that's an advantage for Highsmith is, look, I mean, I didn't play an entire season. I mean, he did play in all 16 games, but he, he only played, what, let's see, like 35% of the defensive snaps. But that's probably, I don't know, 20% more than he, we probably could have expected that he was going to play. Um, obviously, Bud getting hurt, like I mentioned, had him thrust into that situation. Um, but you bring that interception up, Tom, I think that's something that, um, you know, when you think back to that game and you think back to what Highsmith said in the post game, um, he said a lot that, uh, you know, he had seen, I think he said that he like the drive before um, the Ravens came out and ran that exact same play and beat him over the top or something like that. And he recognized that um, when they came out in the same formation, oh, they're going to do the same exact thing. And that's a huge uh, credit to a rookie that he could diagnose that figure it out, and then make the play. And it was a game-changing play at that point in time. The Ravens, as you said, were still at full strength, um, still battling. You know, that was a huge game in the AFC North. So um, I think that says something to Highsmith's knowledge and his ability to, to read that sort of thing. And um, if he can do that in his rookie year, I mean, that, you know, one play doesn't make you, um, you know, a, a, a star or anything like that. But that one play, I think, can speak to what Highsmith's potential is, is that in his rookie year, he was able to identify that and make a huge play for the defense. 
And like you said, I think he had a pretty solid rookie year, all things considered, only starting in five games. But, um, you know, as you said, had, you know, if you go by that, um, that, you know, stat that he only played, he only started in five games. He had a TFL every game that he started in. I know that's not how it works, yeah. but uh, you can equate it that way in two sacks and in five starts. Quarterback not, hitting every game he right. played in. Yeah. That's not bad. And the big thing about Highsmith, too, he played in 62% of the, spe- uh, the special team snaps. I'm sure that's probably going to go down next year, being that he's going to be a starter. But that's something that I think is big for Highsmith that he can. Um, continue to to play specials, and I think he's going to be an important part of that defense for sure. I'd like to expand on something that you just mentioned, Kellen. The Ravens play at the interception. It was a out route to Mark Andrews, the tight end, Lamar Jackson's best option in the passing game, right? I'm, I'm assuming we're all in agreement there. And it was actually Robert Spillane who was in coverage, and it happened in the first half, but it wasn't even Highsmith who led up the pass to Andrews. So the fact that he was in the locker room during halftime in the huddle with the other linebackers, the linebacking coach and whoever else was there, he wasn't just thinking to himself, what could I do? What, what could I learn from my mistakes? He was paying attention to every single guy and what they had done in the first half. So even further of a testament to Alex Highsmith and his ability to learn was he didn't learn from just his mistakes. He's learning from other guys' mistakes. It was the same pass that Mark Andrews ran in the second half. It was an out route. And as you said, Kellen, he read it perfectly, and he got that interception to to start that second half. So, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of upside with the kid. I mean, as as we've talked about a lot on this show, that – when you, when you come from Charlotte, there's probably a, a little chip on your shoulder if you get drafted by a team because you come from a smaller school and there are so many uh, bigger schools with a lot more talent coming out of each of those schools. So I'm sure he felt like he had a chip on his shoulder coming out of Charlotte. And I, I really think that this kid does have upside. I mean, we've been, we've been sitting here now and talking about all the good things he's done. And yes, he's made mistakes, but the mistakes weren't game impacting they weren't they weren't significant enough for us to sit here and talk about them at length as we have done with the many things that he did accomplish this past year Kellen alluded to this earlier but he's going to face a ton of one-on-one matchups to start the season because teams are going to really sell out to try to stop TJ Watt and you know that's something that Alex Highsmith should be excited about and something that he should look at as a good opportunity to prove his capabilities as an outside linebacker in the NFL because one-on-one matchups, that's as easy as it can get. I mean, what are you going to just not get blocked? I guess it's the only way it would get easier is if there's some blown assignment and you don't get blocked, you get a free pass. But that's a good chance for a young player to get his feet wet, and he needs to make an impact instantly because not so much that you need Alex Highsmith to put up 10, 12 sacks a year. You need him to start drawing attention to himself so that T.J. Watt can put up the defensive player of the year numbers we know he's capable of. Right, and I think that's the biggest component in all this is just that Highsmith has to be um, he has to be better than average, right? You have to draw attention TJ away needs from TJ. A Robin. He has right. to have one. He has to. And, and I don't know in, in Highsmith's second year if he can be that Robin, um, but I think he it's going to be important for him and for the Steelers, especially this year, being that you you know, this is the last year of the Hall of Fame quarterback, um, that he has to be he has to show at least signs of being that Robin. Like you said, he doesn't have to have, you know, 10, 12 sacks, but I think if he's in the six or seven range, that's going to be a huge boost for the Steelers. You know, you don't have to ask him to be Robin right now, but um, you have to, if you're Alex Highsmith, you kind of, 
Um, and I don't mean to compare him to Bud Dupree here, but you kind of have to have a better start to your career than Bud Dupree had. If you can take, because I think, you know, in his rookie year, in the small sample size that we saw of Highsmith, it was pretty good. Um, but you have to elevate that to year two. You have to elevate it to year three. You have to get better every single year. Um, but that is a tall ask. I think that's the biggest thing for Highsmith is you have to, you know, if the Steelers are going to do anything, especially this year, Highsmith has to be better in year two than he was in year one. Yeah, I mean, if you want to compare it to Bud Dupree, it took Bud five years to really break out. Before that fifth year, he didn't, he didn't have any more than 42 sacks total on a season, and his high for sacks in a season was only six. Now, he kept around that four to five to six range every year until that fifth year when he broke out with double-digit sacks, had about 70 tackles on the season, but you don't want, as you said, Kellen, you don't want Alex Highsmith to take as long as Bud Dupree took to develop himself because once Bud Dupree was finally developed, he was alongside T.J. Watt, and T.J. Watt certainly didn't take five years to, to develop. I mean, in his second year or third year, he was already a Defensive Player of the Year candidate. So it was okay. Even though people were a little disappointed that Bud took that long, once he did come along— People were really happy to see it, but it was also because he was working in tandem with a great guy opposite him and TJ. Now with now with TJ already there, you're kind of doing him a disservice if you're going to take as long as Bud did to come around to really get into great form, such as double-digit sacks and somewhere around 75 to 80 tackles on a year. You don't want to do that because then you're just making TJ's life harder. The next guy I want to take a look at that's a key in taking that next step and helping that defense from regressing is Devin Bush. And this is a guy that started 15 games as a rookie. He led the team in tackles on the season when he was a rookie. I mean, you want to talk about immediate impact upon stepping on an NFL field. He also had two big interceptions in the 2020 season and uh, in the 2019 season, excuse me, in the 2020 season looked really bright for Devin Bush. Of course, five games into the season, he got hurt. Uh, he had 26 tackles so far. That was well off the pace that he set last year when he had 109 tackles. But it kind of seemed like Devin Bush was starting slow in the 2020 season. And in those last couple of games before he finally got injured, I think he was really starting to hit his stride. And his impact just can't be uh, overstated enough. The defense was one of the best rushing defenses in the NFL when he was playing for the first five games of the year. Once he got hurt, you saw that increase dramatically to where they were giving up over 100 yards per game, and they fell kind of back into the middle of the pack. So his athleticism and his ability to elevate that defense to a great rushing defense was sorely missed by the Steelers, and it's something that they really, really need to get back, and he needs to even improve in that area somewhat in 2021 for this defense to be just as good and for him to continue on the you know, the path that he's heading with his potential. Yeah, I mean, I think the I think potential is a is a great word to describe um, Devin Bush and is an old baseball coach once told me potential is a dirty word. Um, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to live up to it, but I think Devin Bush has all the intangibles to do so. Um, but when you look at last year, um, you know, he only played in five games, but you're right, Tom, he did kind of, it kind of seemed like he was having a slow start and he wasn't, um, you know, that same guy that we saw in 2019, but that doesn't mean that he couldn't have finished out strong. We just don't know because he only played in five games. But um, I think the biggest thing when you look at Bush is how different that Steelers defense looked last year 
Um, and he might have been having a slow season uh, to start, and I think that's true when you look at the stats. But when you really look at it, regardless of how slow he started, that defense was night and day without him. That defense was um, not as formidable, especially against the run, without Devin Bush. And I think they lost something in the passing game, too, because of Bush's athleticism and his ability to um, you know, cover slot guys or at least stay with slot guys and be able to cover tight ends. And then all of a sudden it's Roberts Spillane who's doing all that. And you know, obviously, that Devin Bush is a way better athlete than Robert Spillane. That's not a slight necessarily on Spillane. It's just Bush's, you know, he's they, they, they traded up to get him for a reason. Um, so, yeah, I just think that, you know, if, if Devin Bush can continue that um, upward trajectory that, you know, I know 2019 was great for him. I think he was, you know, uh, really, really good. Um, and you just hope that, you know, it is an ACL injury and you just hope that he gets through that and the rehab. And I mean, if you've seen the videos of him, he's been working out like running in a pool, which is, you know, really encouraging well, to they see. Said he should be on pace to start the season. Right. You, you just hope that he doesn't have a setback or that, you know, that that injury doesn't limit him on being that same explosive, that, you know, same type of linebacker that's reliant on speed. You don't want to see him lose a step um, because I think. The speed game is something that Devin Bush and really the Steelers defense as a whole is, is going to be predicated on next year. Um, and they missed that so much in 2019. So, yeah, I think Devin Bush is another one um, that's going to have to have a big year um, in order for the Steelers, especially on the defensive side of the ball, to, you know, to be as successful as we, we hope they are. Callum, what was that quote your baseball coach told you about? Potential. potential? It's a dirty word. Yeah. So really dirty. I think it's it's not applicable to Devin Bush. I think the potential was an appropriate word to use around him when he was coming in as a rookie and maybe after his rookie season. But talk about impact have, as you said, Kellen, the defense was night and day before and after he went out for the season. I think we know what his potential is. I think he, I think he's fulfilled his potential. I think we know the type of player that Bud Dupree or that Devin Bush is. Now, if you want to say, okay, but he did go down with a season ending injury that kind of has some trouble with some players taking a while to recover from. I get that. But so if you're talking about his recovery potential, I understand that. But as a, as a player in general, I think we know exactly who Devin Bush is. He's an impact player and he's an NFL ready guy. I think he stepped in his rookie year and really took over that inside linebacking position, uh, took over the lead role. I mean, obviously Vince Williams had been there for years, but I don't think there's any doubt in any of, in any of our minds that Devin Bush is a better inside backer than Vince Williams is. And you saw that once once Devin Bush went down for the year this this past year in 2020. So I really think that one, once Devin Bush is able to come back 100%, he, there's no reason that he shouldn't be able to come back as if he didn't skip a beat, as if it was just another game from last year. And this defense should be able to return to form uh, – to where they were before he went down last last season when they were the leading le they were the leaders in almost every major statistical category on defense. Well, hopefully I just think that a pitfall he could fall into is him feeling the need to do too much if Spillane or Williamson aren't cutting the mustard because now he's going to come back and all of a sudden one of his replacements is most likely going to be starting alongside him because we kind of expect Vince Vince Williams to be a, a cap casualty. And I really just want Bush to be able to focus on doing his own thing and really be able to grow in this third season because, yeah, 
I get what you're saying, Jacob, about how, yeah, he, he has reached his potential. He's a starting NFL linebacker, probably on the top half of the league as far as that position is concerned. But I, I think he can reach another level where he has Watt or Minka echelon potential, where That's he fair. could be yeah. an absolute superstar, all first-team, all-pro impact type of player. And I just worry that maybe, you know, Spillane gets that starting job next to him. Williamson gets that starting job next to him. We're a couple weeks into the season, and, you know, they're kind of missing assignments. They're not doing the best that they can, and all of a sudden Devin Bush starts to think, okay, I'm playing my position, but now I also have to kind of cover for his position. And that's something I don't want to see with such a young linebacker. Vince Williams was such a luxury because you knew he was always going to do his job. It was very rare when Vince Williams would make a mistake. So you could count on him to do his job. Bush could just focus on his. It's going to be a lot different because Bush is going to be that veteran now all of a sudden. Right. And, you know, he's only really had a year and some change under his belt. That's a lot to ask of, of a young guy like like Bush. Um, and I think part of that, that what you're saying there, too, is, um, you know, you always have you always have Vince Williams there to make Bush not worry about everybody else, but now it's going to be, um, you know, probably Spillane or Avery Williamson standing beside Devin Bush. Um, it, it's going to make Devin Bush's job a lot more difficult because he's going to have to know um, what everybody else, ha- you know, on that defense is doing. He's probably going to be the green dot guy too. Um, that's a lot to ask of a guy who's only played in 20 or let's see or 20 career, 21 career games. That's a lot. That's a lot to ask a young guy to be the green dot guy, um, which I think everybody, you know, is assuming that's what he was going to do anyways. But missing that whole season last year might have kind of, you know, made him take a step back in that regard. If he would have played, you know, 10 to 12 games this year, then got hurt. And I wouldn't I wouldn't even have that worry in my head. But the fact that he only played five, it makes you at least worry a little bit that, you know, there might be a lot on this kid's plate and he's only played 21 career games. And finally, the last guy I want to take a look at is the man that everybody loves to hate. That's Terrell Edmonds in the secondary. And I really think this guy gets a bad rap. He's no been doubt. No doubt. totally fine as a Steelers safety for three seasons. You know, he plays more snaps than anybody on the team. Uh, he did have two picks last year. They were in the same game against Jacksonville. But his style, I don't think, really is a ball-hawking type of style. What I think he just needs to get better at is not making that big, massive mistake or missing yeah. that big tackle. Mink is the superstar. Sure. You just have to be the rock. Be the Ryan Clark to his Troy Polamalu, right. if don't, you will. Don't allow that that bad open field tackle miss that you did exactly. in, the, in the playoffs. Or, uh, the, uh, two years ago against the Cardinals, the missed coverage in the back of the end exactly. zone leads to a touchdown. And I know the Steelers eventually won that game, but still. That one was you got to give him credit because if he makes that interception that he dove for right, against exactly. the Cardinals, you give him credit for the interception, but he didn't, and so you got to say play it what, safe right. is what you want now. Exactly. Yeah. So, and obviously we know uh, his criticisms about his tackling abilities; those have to improve as well. But yeah, I mean, of course the guy gets a bad rap. That's what happens when the two the year before you come in or two years before you came in, the Steelers use their first two picks on secondary men in Artie Burns and Sean Davis, and those guys were complete busts. Sean Davis somehow was still on this team. I mean, just as a In his role that he should be. Backup's fine for him. Artie Burns is nowhere near. And, of course, when you're the next guy to to kind of be assigned the role of filling in or expected to be the next big guy in the secondary when you were drafted— of course you're going to have criticisms when you're not playing as like a Minka Fitzpatrick or you're not playing like Devin Bush did when he played his rookie year, right? So it's unfortunate for him, but as we've seen, uh, 
over the years, he has gotten better every single year. And that's something that Steeler fans should be hopeful about. Well, I think um, when you look at the Steelers' defense, and we've talked about this a handful of times, you know, I think we've asked, you know, who is the weakest link on the Steelers' defense? And, uh, you know, w- with the Steelers' defense being as good as it is, and you have to pick somebody, and, and I think, um, you know, and this is all predicated on who leaves and free agency and that sort of thing. This might change, but um, when you look at – I do think that Terrell Edmonds is probably the weakest link on the defensive side of the ball, but – that doesn't mean that he's bad. It right. Means when that, you line him up against guys like Minka, Joe right. Hayden, Cam Hayward, TJ yeah. Watt, I mean, they're going to be better. Yeah, they are. But, but I mean, I, I think he's a above average NFL safety. I'm not saying that he's great. I'm not saying that you know, he's a world beater, but I don't think he's as bad as everybody thinks. I do think that he needs to improve tackling. Um, and the one thing we, we made this point a lot last year um, during the show, during our Steelers Saturday show, that it seemed like Edmonds was a good guy that you know, would let the catch happen and then get the guy to the ground. But as the season went on, it seemed that he wasn't as good at that anymore. He didn't tackle as well as we thought he would. And you can live with that if Edmonds is a guy that's out there, you know, separating the ball from the receiver or making a play on the ball, batting the ball down, getting interceptions, but he's not that guy either. I think one thing for Terrell Edmonds is, you know, you're going to have to get back to either A, being that allow the catch to happen and then immediately get the guy to the ground, or B, you're going to have to start separating the guy from the ball or making plays on the ball, which um, I think he's probably more suitable to be the guy that allows the catch and then makes the quick tackle. That's going to do it for this episode of the Steelers Standard. Thank you, as always, for listening to us here on Steelers Nation Radio. You can check out the podcast at Steelers.com. On our next episode, the quarterback is the most important position in the NFL, and we take a look at all of the changeover that could be happening at that position in 2021. Upwards of maybe 18 teams could have a new starting quarterback. That is some crazy changeover at the position you want the most stability at in the NFL. That's all on the way on our next episode of Steelers Standard. For Kellen Gersky and Jacob Recht, I'm Tom Opperman. Thank you, as always, for listening.